Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, Pastor Deuce. Drop weight on us from the word. You want me to pray again? Offering, prayer, but offering. Then I'll pray for you in the next voice you hear is Pastor Branch. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to give. Lord God, the power that you've given us to steward. You said the sons of this world are more shrewd according to their own kind than the children of light are. And so, Lord God, you were talking about stewarding resources and leveraging the things that you allowed across our path to be utilized uh, for the king, for kingdom purposes. You said make friends of yourselves according to the unrighteous mammon so that when your stewardship is over, they will receive you into eternal dwellings. So God, in the name of Christ, I pray that that would be our mindset, that we would see our resources, our finances, our time, our talent, and our treasures, that we would see them in relation to your rule and your reign, Lord God, the kingdom that you're building through us. You said upon this rock, I shall build my church and the gates of hell shall never prevail against us. May these resources be more of you building your church on the name of Christ. In Christ's name we pray. Bless your, bless your messenger. Bless Pastor Branch. Thank you for his labor in the text. Um, uh, bring weight through him as he talks to us about the truth in, in, in um, John 14, uh, uh, verses 15 and on. In Jesus' name, amen. How y'all feel this morning? Pastor E and I was, uh, and Shah actually, were at a um, conference this week, rocked us, <laughs> rocked us with Christian basics, and I uh, recognized that as you're in church, literally, you can drift from basics. What's up, Doc? And so one of the things we're going to do today is actually visit a Christian basic. So I'm going to start by saying, how many of y'all remember life before TV? Does it... Does anybody, does anybody predate the TV? Like, I, I know the ones, if you do, you're like, I'm not going to raise my hand if it, because only, it will only be a couple of you, all right? Listen, how many of y'all just remember TV, like, you, you only had like one or two of them. You didn't just have them in every room. How many remember the 13 inch, just black and white? Like, you, that, that's what you had. That's all y'all had. How many people, no, raise your hands high. That's all you had. Okay, bet, bet, bet. Uh, me too, right? How many of you remember before the remote control, when the TV primarily turned? You didn't have a remote control. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. How many people remember no radio at all? Just no radio. All right. No, you, you didn't have a radio. Yeah? No, no, not you couldn't afford one and you didn't buy one. Nobody around you had a radio because this was before radios were just everywhere. Anybody? Okay, bet. All right. How many remember before Walkmans? Before Walkmans? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. How many remember before cell phones? Y'all remember cell phones? Y'all remember pages right before that? Y'all had to, like, pull over, like, oh, they paging me. Now, you know, when you got a pager, you wanted to feel important. So you had to, like, page him back just so everybody could see you pulling over, going to the phone, the phone booth. And some, so, somebody page me? Deuce! Somebody pay. Actually, I never had a pager, actually. At that time, I was, like, under the conviction. Like, it looked like you were a drug dealer. So I was just staying away from it during that era. But uh, MCs, do you remember before Pro Tools? Like, most, most MCs don't remember before Pro Tools. Uh, you remember before CDs? Like, remember, like, dang, where's that part at? And like you go too far, and then you get to where you fine tuning, 
Oh, there it is. Or going all the way to the wrong end and have to wait all the way. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it, it, it does us well to reflect on the things that weren't always a given. And sometimes we realize that what we once appreciated, we begin to take for granted. Suppose somebody said, do you remember Christian life before the age of the Holy Spirit? Can you imagine the, the community who said, remember before indwelling, personal, individual indwelling? And at the conference, everybody was weak, like, yeah, I remember. My life was horrible. For us, we always knew, if you're a Christian, the spirit indwelling people upon faith in Jesus Christ. But it wasn't always so. And so just like we don't, we, 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 we sort of just take for granted CDs and remotes and flat screen TVs now. Like, like there was a time when you would appreciate God's Holy Spirit in a way that's different than an age who've always known that the Holy Spirit is at work. Today, John chapter 14, Jesus prepares his people for a time yet to come that would forever change the way Christians look at the Christian walk. It was a time preparing them for when the Spirit would not just be with them, but be in them. And so John 14, we got to like we have to put ourselves at the dinner because right now we're still at the upper room discourse where Jesus Christ is spending his last intimate moment with his disciples before he goes to the cross and allows men to slaughter him according to the plan of God. And so we're sitting here and Jesus is with them and they've done everything from, I'm sure, laugh together, cry together. Jesus has washed their feet. Jesus has uh, addressed the fact that somebody's going to betray him. He's actually gotten Judas out the mix now. And now Jesus Christ introduces this idea that, dag, the reality of I'm getting ready to go is among us. You know, I grew up with, with my mom not in the home. And one of the problems was every time she came to visit me, it was banging until two days before she was about to leave again. And I would always begin to cry uncontrollably because as much as I wanted her to be there, I hated to see her go. And my father even had to tell her, you have to stop coming because they hate to see you go. I don't know if anyone has ever been in your life and then out your life and then in your life and then out your life. Or if someone special who was in your life became someone who was out your life. But that's the mood here in John chapter 14. Both corporately and individually, we are by identity worshipers. We were made, we were designed to make a big deal about God, which is why sometimes you see the praise team trying to conjure up a slightly more boisterous response from us because anybody can come and listen to instruction. But only true worshipers can make an appropriate response to the worth of something. 
So sometimes the response doesn't match the God. I mean, if it was Baal, who isn't God, maybe the response would match it. I mean, if it was Dagon, who got his arms broken, landed face first before the Ark of the Covenant, maybe that's what. But, but not when it's the God who sent his only begotten son while we were his enemies. The Bible makes clear that we're to be worshipers, we're to ascribe the proper worth to him, and it's critical that we worship God as he is, not as we imagine him. See, God is like, the, the, one of the things God says is, don't make images of me. Don't come up with pictures, drawings. Um, that's nice for everything else, because you're never going to do me justice. And then people will begin to set their affections and set their worship on not me, but their idea of me. When I was growing up, I used to watch The Price is Right. One of the job, the, the, the whole point of The Price is Right is, can you guess the value of whatever they put before you? Now, I never got it right. I don't know if it's because the stuff was out of my league, you know what I mean? And, you know, our furniture was like the low-budget furniture, and our, we didn't have a washer and a dryer. So they'd be like, right now, listen, a new washer. And not only that, but a dryer. Now, me, the dryer was downstairs. You put three quarters in it to get it to work. So I'm like, dang, how much is that? Like 250? They were like, oh, Bob, Bob, 1,400. Yay! Somebody else would be like, 1,300. Yay! Every now and then somebody would say, a dollar. You know what I'm saying? Because they think everybody else went over. And, uh, and sometimes somebody would overestimate its worth. And sometimes people would underestimate its worth. And every now and then somebody would get it on the head. Then at the end, they showed them these elaborate vacations. Right now, you're going to Belgium. Ah, seven days, one night staying in this hotel. You're going to get spending money. Yeah. You're going to get a flight. Yeah. And not only that, a boat. Yeah. And a car. Ah. Everybody go off. Now, how much is it? The key to you enjoying the benefit was, how much is it worth? And then they would say this. I know what you said. The actual Retail price is being. Do you know worship is none less than you figuring out the actual worth is? And our enjoyment of God often is hinged on our ability to properly know his worth. We heard a banging illustration to, uh, this weekend. And somebody was reflecting back on an old preacher who said, you know, the problem is we need to understand the, 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 the amount of our debt in order to understand what the proper response to God is. He says, if somebody comes to you and says, oh, I was up in the crib, I noticed you had a bill. I paid it. You're like, hmm, I wonder which bill did he pay, my cell phone bill. Because if he paid my cell phone bill, well, it was the $7 left over from last month, so he paid $7. And that's worthy of a thank you. But if he saw my IRS bill that was under it, like, did you pay the IRS bill? Because if you pay the IRS bill, then that calls for something more than a thank you. I'm down on my knees, I'm kissing you. I'm like, oh, I can't believe it. Thank you. Today, we're going to seek to gain a greater appreciation for someone who deserves more than a thank you, who deserves more than an honorable mention. 
but he's none other than the third person of the Godhead who's worthy of the same kind of hoopla that the Father is worthy of, the same kind of hoopla that the Son is worthy of. We are, you don't understand, there's a lot of young people in here. We come from churches where we had to go to seminary to hear the Trinity either A, mentioned or B, elaborated on. Now, some of y'all been in church all your life, and if you didn't go to seminary, nobody brings up the Trinity, unless y'all sing holy, 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 blessed Trinity at the end of it. We don't school our kids. We feel like it's too heavy for us. But you can't read the Bible and appreciate the, the particulars without you being a Trinitarian, meaning believing in God, being triune. And all through history, it's been a struggle. The Father has always been thought of as deity. Christians went from the time of Christ all the way to 322, excuse me, 25 A.D. when they formed the Nicene Council where they said Jesus is not a second-rate version of God. Jesus is not part God. Jesus is not just a great dude who had the fullness of God in him. He is God. But, you know, people still were a little foggy on, but what about the spirit? The spirit is just an influence uh, of God. The spirit is just some power that goes out from God. Spirit is just an alias for the grace that comes out from God, some said. It wasn't until 381 uh, A.D. at the Council of Constantinople that they said, no, the spirit shares the same thing that makes God God. The spirit has. He's worthy of the same kind of big ups. And so today, uh, we're going to actually get to a passage where Jesus begins to introduce for the first time an elaborate understanding of this third person that many have struggled to agree with. He's all that the scripture says and that many of us sleep on because he's the the low key uh, person of the Godhead. He, unlike us, has all the worth and the value of the supreme one, but never makes a big deal about it. Unlike us, he has everything that should make you drop on your knees, everything that should make you about face when you hear his truth, everything that would make you worship, run around the church if that's your forte, go on missions if that's your thing, uh, go out and share your faith, go out and, and love your wife. Go, he has everything that's worthy of that, but never makes a fuss about it. And so we sleep on him. And so here... Jesus says, I'm not going to let y'all sleep on the one you'll probably sleep on and who's content to let y'all sleep on him. I want to tell you about him. So let's read. I'm going to read it all. Then we'll back up. Verse 15 of chapter 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper, comforter, counselor, paraclete. Your versions may differ. To be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will not see me no more. Excuse me, will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father, you in me, and I in you. 
Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go up from here. May the Lord bless the hearing and application of his word. I want to talk about the gift. I want to talk about the gift. We're at the upper room discourse, like we say, and the key here is recognizing the spirit of God. I would have succeeded today if when we go out here, we begin to think through not only the oneness of God, but the unique distinctions of the Godhead and begin to honor each because of the way they faithfully play their role within this unity. First of all, the Holy Spirit is a gift from Christ to those who love Christ. The Holy Spirit is a gift from Christ to those who love Christ. He says, verse 15, if you love me, let's stop. The beauty about the Holy Spirit, we're going to hear a lot about the Holy Spirit. He's already, John the Baptist has already talked about the one who's coming to judge with the Holy Spirit. Uh, we already know that Jesus Christ did his, uh, his, his life, was, was governed by the Holy Spirit. But now we get some insight, and it's funny because Jesus just told them, guess what? Y'all are going to do the kind of stuff I've been doing. Y'all are going to do greater works. In other words, greater amounts of works will y'all do like me. And then he says, but if you love me. Doesn't even seem to flow. Ask anything in my name and I'll do it if you love me. Like, like, it doesn't even flow. But what this is saying here is we're getting ready to talk about a gift that you can only appreciate if you love me. Now, if we were talking about you need power, that the, the Holy Spirit, I don't love you. I just need power. Give me some of that Holy Ghost power. We're not giving a talk about the power of the Spirit of God here, like Simon the sorcerer in the book of Acts, who saw the power of the Holy Spirit, has nothing to do with the apostles, nothing to do with the Jesus Christ who sent the Spirit, nothing to do with the Holy Spirit, just wanted the power. So today, the first thing we need to know is, this is introducing us to the Spirit as gift. Gift to those who love Him. 
This is a prerequisite for everything he's about to say. It's an assumption at the upper room because now Judas is gone. And now he introduced the fact I'm going to give you something because I know you love me. He sees it on their face because verse 14 says you're troubled because they begin to get the sense whether it's by death. Hmm, it was a little foggy or whether he's going to go off and duck us, like find some way of escape Find something like Jesus has to go like because people say, well, is he going to go teach the Gentiles? He's going to go teach the Greeks. Is he getting ready to like where you Peter said, where are you going where I can't follow you? Like, like, are you getting ready to hit a part of the globe that you haven't taken us to? Are you getting ready to like hitchhike and find your way? Like what? So they just could sense you're getting ready to go because they love them. Today, we can't assume this. People are in church for all kinds of peripheral reasons. Yet the Spirit of God is most appreciated, therefore properly valued, and therefore properly worshipped when you love, not the Spirit, when you love Jesus. There are all kinds of groups out here that don't love Jesus, but if you talk Spirit, they like spiritual stuff. They have a problem with Jesus because of how he's been misrepresented. We understand. But either way you slice it, Jesus says, this, I haven't even, you can't even talk spirit as gift until you love me. And you're going to see why. First of all, love as a prerequisite. Secondly, he says, but here's the proof that you love me. Because somebody will say, I love you. He's going to say, okay, here's the proof. If you love me, guess why we'll all know it. You will keep my commandments. When I was in Bible college, right, when I was in Bible college, and me and Mish were really getting it in and starting to, like, grow close to one another. And I remember all of a sudden I had to go, this was before we were married, uh, I had to go to college and she had to stay home, stay in Philly. So I was in Lancaster. Every now and then she'd throw a little care package together. And every now and then the care package would have food, which I loved, would have all my snacks, which I loved, but there was something that outlasted the food and the snacks because y'all just devoured the snacks. (laughs) She'd throw a letter, a picture, and a splash of Malibu musk. Long after the snacks went, the thing that I, this dude, 